10 to 1, episode 36. Top 10 Lost Episodes. Welcome to 10 to 1, the podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Melissa Kozer. And I am Brian Kozer. And welcome back for our third episode of Lost Month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a good month. It's been a good month doing this little retrospective on the TV show Lost. And today we're going to be talking about our 10 favorite episodes. So the way that I did it, I went to Lostpedia, which is a fan wiki for Lost, and I at least skimmed every episode, just to kind of remember, remind myself what yeah. happened in each one, and made a list of all the episodes that I thought, yeah, that might be in my top 10, and I'll let you know how the, the breakdown went. I, I came up with 23 episodes that I liked enough to, that I would consider, and most of them were from seasons one and two, and then there were just a couple from seasons three, four, and five, and then there were a few from season six as well. Um, But when I went through and finally cut it down to my top 10, I found at least one episode from each season. So I thought that was pretty interesting, Mm. in spite of the fact that we've both talked about the show being a little bit uneven as far as us preferring the early seasons. Um, But there were still episodes I really liked from the later ones. So, uh, Melissa, tell me how you made your list. Uh. About, like, the way you did, I kind of skimmed through the titles and and synopses of each episode just to kind of get a refresher on what happened. And then, so I made a list of possibilities from that and then really went and read the details of exactly everything that happened in each episode on Wikipedia. Yep, they have good summaries, too. And from there, that helped me narrow it down. And I'd only had 13 episodes to begin with that, like, really stood out to me. I really like this show, and there's a lot of really great episodes. But there were only 13 that really screamed, yes, pick me. And also, (laughs) I was really trying to avoid any episodes that might feature in our next podcast episode. Mm -hmm. So our next one is going to be Top 10 Lost Moments. Gotcha. And so I didn't want any of any moments that I'll be talking about to be featured in my episodes. Gotcha. And I actually took sort of a different tack. I'm going to not have as many moments from these episodes as maybe I would have if we were just talking about moments. Yeah. So there'll be a lot of honorable mentions moments from these episodes. Okay. All right. So why don't you hit us with... Oh, and I guess I should mention... We already shared our lists with each other, and that way we won't have any duplicates. We can just talk about each episode once as it comes up, and there are a couple crossovers. So, Melissa, why don't you hit us with your number 10? All right, my number 10 is from season one. It's episode 13 called Hearts and Minds. It's about Boone and Shannon. Hmm. So up to this point, we haven't really known much about them. All we know is that Boone seems to have this crush on Shannon that she really doesn't, that is kind of unrequited, I guess. Mm-hmm. And as we progress, we find out, well, it's more he's kind of an overprotective brother. He's a her half-brother. Mm-hmm. And 
he's always been getting her out of scrape. She's sort of been the wild child. And uh, so you get some more background on this ditzy blonde girl that up till now has not been any help in in helping to survive the... So we get some further background on this ditzy blonde girl that up till now has not been helping any of the survivors on the island, not been really pulling her weight at all. So I really liked that. And you kind of come to understand a little bit about who she is. Also, you you see Boone and Locke still trying to figure out what's inside the hatch, you know, or how to open the hatch. And uh, uh, then... uh, Boone gets knocked unconscious by Locke because he wanted to tell others about the hatch. And when he wakes up, he's tied up. And Locke left him a knife that he could cut himself free. If he really tries hard, he can reach it if he's got the right motivation. And sure enough, a little bit later, he hears Shannon screaming. And so he manages to free himself and they run off. And the monster is chasing them. And... Shannon gets taken and is killed. <laughs> and you see Boone weeping over her her shattered body. Mm-hmm. And it's a really powerful moment. I mean, it's shocking that, wow, Shannon just died and she was alive just a, a second ago. Right. And then turns out, nope, it was all just a hallucination after all <laughs> uh, that Locke had managed to induce Boone with. And then you discover that Actually, he did that to help Boone because Boone has been kind of controlled by Shannon all this time. And she's always been able to get him to do anything she wants. And Locke saw that. And so he was using this to help Boone realize he needed to stop letting her control him and boss him around. And so I thought that was an interesting twist on what otherwise, to me, had up to this point sort of been two boring characters. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And uh, one one side thing that was just really fun was uh, Hurley decides he wants to try and go fishing with Jin. And, of course, Jin is a master fisherman, and Hurley just sucks at it, and he can't <laughs> catch anything. Right. And then finally he gives up, and as he's heading back to shore, he steps on a sea urchin. <laughs> and That's a great scene. He's like, oh, no, I'm poisoned. Jin, you got to pee on my foot. And Jin doesn't speak English at this point. So they're trying, (laughs) Hurley's just trying to communicate, just pee on it, man. Which is just so hilarious. Which is a, like an urban legend, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't actually help with the pain. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But yeah, it was just hilarious, Hurley and, and Jin right there. So that's my number 10, Hearts and Minds. Nice. Yeah, and I I don't know if you I don't think you specifically mentioned it, but you kind of alluded to it with while you're talking about this episode, the way that I picked the episodes that were my favorites, it usually meant the main plot of the episode was good. There were good subplots, like what you were just talking about with Hurley and Jin, and then uh, good flashbacks too, or flash forwards or flash sideways, whichever the case. So my number ten is called Some Like It Hoth. And this is the Miles Strom episode, the Miles episode, which if you listen to our favorite characters episode, you know he's in my top 10 characters. And so in Some Like It Hoth, this is season five, episode 13. And so they're back in time, back in Dharmaville, 
and um, Miles is starting to take on more responsibility. He's now in the circle of trust. He has to make a delivery for Horace. And um, so he's driving around in the van with Hurley. And um, Roger, Ben's dad, realizes that Ben is missing. And so he's you know, getting drunk and trying to figure out what's going on. And um, so that's kind of an interesting little side plot that's going on. Um, meanwhile... Miles and Hurley are over at the Orchid Station, where they meet Dr. Pierre Chang, which I know Melissa and I both mentioned we, for some reason, always liked seeing him. And I think it's in this episode that you find out that uh, Dr. Chang is Miles' dad. Uh, you might, Which may- was fairly mind-blowing. Yeah, you might have already known that at this point, but um, it was right around this time. It was recently, if not in this episode, that you find out that that's his dad. And so, yeah, this character we've been seeing since beginning of season two. and Always this, been shrouded in mystery. Right. And this character that we like that uh, has just been around for a couple seasons now. Uh, we realize they're connected. And so that's cool. Um, and you see uh, that kind of awkward but interesting um, interaction between Miles and his dad. And... Uh, you see in flashbacks that Miles' dad was never there while he was growing up. His mom didn't really tell him what was going on, but um, I think she told him he was dead and, you know, he or he had run away or something like that. And she'd given him a negative impression about his dad. And so he had grown up without that father figure. Now he has his father here. He could talk to him whenever he wants. But, you know, that's a really awkward situation, and you can't exactly go up and tell him that you're his son, that time travel doesn't make any sense. Um, But, of course, Hurley, being Hurley, is trying to push him into talking to his dad. And um, then um, at the end, the best part of the episode is where, um, you know, Miles is seeing his dad, interacting with himself (laughs) as a baby, and, you know, seeing his dad did love him, and and loved his family. Yeah, that's pretty and, sweet. Yeah, that moment. And then, of course, his dad um, then gets called away on uh, some sort of errand. And Miles tries to leave before uh, Dr. Chang sees him. Yeah. But as his dad comes out, he says, Miles, I need you. And Miles, like, <laughs> you do? And, the, you know, the pathetic way. Right, tearing up. You do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was just great. And then uh, the humor, humorous parts of the episode where uh, Miles and, and Hurley are going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Hurley is trying to write the script for uh, Empire Strikes Back because he'd seen the movie so many times. Yeah. He could just write it out from from mm-hmm. memory. And he'll make, a, he'll make a million. Right. And he's going to make some improvements because Ewoks <laughs> suck, dude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then also... Uh, Hurley seeing the numbers get imprinted onto the yeah onto the hatch and yeah it's just so many great things happen in this episode and um I think it's just really striking to me that this character Miles that you don't really know very much about and his dad that you don't ver- know very much about that they can uh, construct just you know 45 minutes of television with these characters you basically don't know anything about and by the end of it, make you feel this real um, strong emotional... Yeah, attachment uh, to them. Right, and have this uh, emotional reaction to uh, this relationship between 
Miles yeah. and his dad. And uh, that was pretty cool to me. So that's my number 10, Some Like It Hoth. Okay. I didn't consider this one, but yeah, I see why you chose it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number nine is from episode from season three, episode 14. It's called Expose. <laughs> and this one is the one about Nikki and Paolo, the two hmm. characters that everybody hated, even right. though they were supposed to be brand new main characters. And so the show writers decided to just go ahead and kill them off. So, in this one, we've slowly been seeing these two characters that you don't really like all that much. Mm -hmm. They've been introduced in a few episodes before now, uh, and you've seen them in a few little scenes. And now in this one, you suddenly, it's all about them. Mm -hmm. And you see them as they've been, you know, in the background, part of some of these other excursions to different places. And you learn some of their backstory, and that they're really not very good people, and they're conning people (laughs) out of their money. Uh, but Paolo at least seems to want to turn over a new leaf. Now mm. that he's on the island, mm-hmm. he realizes there are things more important than just money, and he really seems to want to have a life with Nikki. And so uh, he hides the diamonds that they had st- stolen uh, from some rich old man, and says they got lost in the plane crash so that, you know, he and Nikki can better get to know one another. Hmm. Well, eventually she figures out that he's lying, and out of revenge, she gives him a paralyzing spider bite, Mm -hmm. finds out Mm -hmm. about these spiders that uh, will paralyze you for like eight hours or so. So it looks like you're dead, and you can't move a muscle, your heart rate almost completely stops, but you're just very, you're just paralyzed. And she miscalculates and gets bitten by a spider as well. And so the both of them are eventually found by the rest of the survivors. Everybody thinks they're dead and they're buried alive with the diamonds on top of them. (laughs) And it was just a chilling, horrifying moment when Mm -hmm. right before the episode ends... Nikki's eyes flash open just as a shovel full of dirt is landing on them and yeah. they are being buried alive. And it was, <laughs> if it had been like five minutes later, mm-hmm. then the survivors would have realized that they were only paralyzed. And if right. Nikki hadn't been so focused on trying to keep the diamonds off for herself, she could have gotten to the survivors in time and told them, hey, we're not dead. We're just... I'm paralyzed. But yep. nope. The love of money got them killed. And it's just... Yeah. It's it's <laughs> a really strong moral lesson. It's a really <laughs> shocking ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, these characters that you don't really like, but all the same, that's a very horrible way to die yeah. buried alive. Yeah. So uh, this one's on here, mostly just for the shock factor of the hmm. ending. Wow. That's my number nine. Expose. <laughs> yeah, definitely one of the most memorable episodes. Very shocking ending. All right. My number nine is from, oh, and I guess I should mention Some Like It Hoth, only episode from season five. So that's my favorite season five episode. Number nine for me, The Long Con, season two, episode 13. And this one you'll probably remember as the one where Sawyer cons everybody into getting the guns. 
And in the main story there on the island, you know, Sawyer finally decides he's had enough of getting told what to do by Jack and Locke and decides to play them both. And he manipulates everybody. Uh, He manipulates Kate especially into um, distrusting each other and um, through a few different circumstances he is able to get uh, the guns, get the medicine, um, get the drugs, all the things that they had locked up in the uh, hatch for safekeeping. He was able to get them all back. And in the flashback, you also see a Sawyer pulling a con on this woman that um, he seems to fall for, and he doesn't really want to con her, but I guess that's uh, he can't can't stop himself. In the end, he he does decide to con her instead of you know uh, telling her the truth and yeah. letting her keep her money or anything like that. What a jerk. So yeah, <laughs> um, and both of them are are long cons, is what he yeah. calls them, where it's this waiting game with a lot of patience and planning and manipulating people uh, so he can get what he wants. And, but the crazy uh, thing is you, he always knows how people re- are going to react. Right, yeah. He's very sly. He's very canny. And then the uh, uh, side, kind of side plot is um, the scene where um, Saeed and Hurley are listening to music over the radio. Yeah. Saeed's a, uh, Hurley's trying to give Saeed something to take his mind off. Things that, yeah, things yeah. bad things are happening on the island, and Saeed works on this radio, and he's able to get it get it to work, not to communicate with anyone, but they are able to pick up some music, and so it ends with them sitting on the beach listening to some music, and uh, I guess I should also mention that Sawyer's also able to get Charlie to help him with his uh, with his con, and it's one of the dark moments for Charlie, and really kind of fleshes his character out as well so yeah overall really great episode really memorable things that happen and uh, a good um good flashback and and main storyline for for sawyer anything else to add on that one no i think you pretty much covered it i did consider this one but i did find some others that i like better okay yeah of all the ones i have on my list this is the one i most expected you to have so that's my number nine, the long con. At least I put it on my list. All right. My number eight is from season one. It's episode 18, and it's called Numbers. <laughs> I think this is a great episode. <laughs> so a good one. Hurley is obsessed with these numbers that keep on showing up. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Mm-hmm. And so, in this episode, you find out that Hurley had used those numbers to win the lottery, but then he kept on having, like, a a huge string of bad luck occurred after he used those numbers. And maybe it was just coincidence, but, I mean, that's crazy coincidence and crazy bad luck. And so, he goes to... The guy that he originally got the numbers from, which was a crazy man in in an asylum where he spent a little bit of time, and tells him, hey, I used those numbers to win the lottery. (laughs) And he's like, no, no, you can't use those. Those are bad luck. And he (laughs) yells out the name of 
another guy hmm. uh, in Australia. Turns out that guy, uh, he and Leonard had both heard the numbers on a radio transmission, and right. he'd used the numbers to win a jackpot of some sort. And mm-hmm. had had a whole bunch of bad luck mm-hmm. and eventually committed suicide over <laughs> it because he felt it was the numbers' fault. And so this is in flashbacks, and uh, the man's wife uh, tells Hurley there's no such thing as bad luck, you know. You make your own luck. <laughs> well, on the island, those numbers pop up again, and so Hurley sets off to find Russo, Hmm. the stranded, crazy French lady, Mm -hmm. uh, because they were on her maps. And so he's just got to know, how does she know about these numbers? And Hurley has has some good luck somehow still. He he doesn't get killed by any any of the booby traps that she has set (laughs) up. And even though he's kind of blissfully walking around them, unaware. And then... When Russo does find him and she's pointing a gun at him, any normal person would have quailed and, you know, looked for any chance to get away from there. But Hurley is like, he's not afraid. And he's like, I just have to know, where did you find out about those numbers? (laughs) And uh, uh, Russo says, well, we heard those numbers on a radio transmission as well as we were coming towards the island. And uh, they're bad luck. They've caused me to lose everything I ever loved here on the island. (laughs) And Hurley's just so relieved that finally somebody else agrees with him. Hmm. It's bad luck, those numbers, and that it's not just pure coincidence. And so I really like how the episode keeps on making you wonder, is it just coincidence? Is Is there something cursed about those numbers? And then right at the end of the episode, you discover... Those numbers are imprinted on the side of the hatch. (laughs) And so there's just so much mystery surrounding Mm -hmm. those numbers. And uh, yeah, it was was just a really good episode. Finding out more about Hurley and uh, action-wise, as well as the the mystery and and how they make you go back and forth between, no, those numbers really are bad luck, or no, well, there's no such thing as bad luck. It's just how things happen in life. So... That's my number eight. Numbers. Hmm. Yep. Not one I even really considered, but I do like Hurley and I do like the the numbers. So good choice. All right. My number eight is higher on Melissa's list. So I'll just wait. And uh, if I wait a second, I think maybe I'll jump forward to when we can talk about hers. All right, my number seven is from season two, and it is episode 20. It's called Two for the Road. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't consider this one either. I don't remember anything about it. What What's this one about? So I didn't pick this one for the flashback at all. I didn't really care about it. It's just okay. more flashback on Anna Lucia, and we've seen the most important thing about her is that uh, she got shot while she was pregnant. Okay. At this point, it's just more that you don't really care about. But on the (laughs) island, you've got Anna Lucia questioning Henry Gale in the hatch, and Mm. then he attacks her, and John Locke saves saves her. Mm -hmm. And so Locke asks Henry, well, why did you attack Anna, but you've never harmed me? Mm -hmm. And so then... Henry says, well, you're one of the good ones. And you, and so you start to wonder, well, what, what does he mean by that? Mm-hmm. And then up until this point, there's been a lot of uh, 
turmoil in the camp over who should have access to the guns. And Anna Lucia wants a gun. She wants to go end Henry's life. And Michael has just returned to the camp. And he says he's seen the camp of the others. And they're worse off than we are. And we can we can take them. Uh, we just need to get an attack team together and, and go rescue his son, Walt. Mm-hmm. So you've got all this going on. And then in the middle of all this turmoil, you've got... Hurley and Libby, they've acknowledged that they have feelings for each other, and Hurley finally screwed up his courage to ask Libby out on a date, a little picnic, and he was going to take her to this really nice beach spot, (laughs) and of course, he couldn't find it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, uh, Libby takes charge, and she's like, well, why don't you go get some wine from uh, the supplies area, and I'll go to the hatch and get some blankets, and we'll just have a picnic out here on the beach on this, you know, a little away from everybody, but it'll still be nice. Meanwhile, back at the hatch, Anna Lucia has managed to get a gun, and she was going to try and kill Henry, but she just couldn't manage to bring herself to pull the trigger. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of a, a moment where... You cheer for her that mm-hmm. that she didn't kill someone in cold blood, and but then Michael says, "Well, I'll do it," and she gives him the gun. So then your heart kind of sinks a little bit. Come on, girl, don't don't have somebody else do it for you. <laughs> That's still on your hands. And then you're shocked as Michael suddenly turns the gun on Anna Lucia, shoots and kills her. <laughs> this pretty main character is just suddenly gone. Right then, Libby walks into the hatch, arms full of blankets, and Michael is surprised, and out of surprise, turns and shoots Libby, too. He didn't mean to, but it just kind of was a knee-jerk reaction. Right. And and it just, oh man, that moment. It's mm-hmm. so shocking. For mm-hmm. that, Why would Michael kill Anna Lucia? And then the fact right. that he shot Libby as well is just absolutely appalling. And then on top of that, he sets Henry free and shoots himself in the arm. Mm-hmm. And also that it can look like Henry was the one who killed the two girls and shot Michael as he was trying to escape. Right, so it ends. He shoots on Lucia. He shoots Libby. He goes, opens the door, shoots himself. Cut to black. <sighs> <laughs> this was... This was such a shocking episode. Like it was it was enjoyable all throughout and then and and you're wondering what's going to happen next and then that ending just absolutely right. floored me, destroyed me. I had to find <laughs> out what was going to happen next and it was too late to watch another episode that night. Yep. Ah. Oh, I know I didn't have to wait a whole week like some people did. I just had to wait till the next day. But still. <laughs> it pained me to do so. Okay. Yeah, so that's my number seven. Yeah, probably the most shocking ending or the most shocking moment maybe even in Lost. But overall, I wouldn't say that the episode is particularly strong. So that's why I didn't really consider it, I think, for my list. All right, on to my number seven. It's season three, episode 20, The Man Behind the Curtain. Do you recognize this from the title? I know it's making a Wizard of Oz reference, but that's it. (laughs) That's true. So 
This is uh, a third from the end episode in season three. So you're going to have this episode and then another episode and then the season finale, two-parter of season three. So this one, The Man Behind the Curtain, that references Ben Linus. And the flashbacks are Ben Linus uh, being born and his mother dying there in childbirth. And then him and his father getting onto the island. And you see their uh, rocky relationship. And then at the very end... Ben gassing his father as the oh, others man. gas the entire Dharma initiative. And so appalling. Right, appalling and you know, really interesting to see Ben, who by this time has become definitely a main character, and you're finally learning more about him and his backstory. So that's great, as my favorite lost character. But then on the island, present day, uh this is where uh Naomi has just got onto the island and so it's all it's um you know crazy they don't know what to do are they gonna um you know uh try and get off the island some of them want to stay on the island some of them want to get off obviously most of them want to get off and um uh, they realize that the others are um coming over to the camp to um i think uh kidnap the kidnap the women yeah. And so uh, you have uh, the three, actually, that might not happen until next. And so, and so, you know, they're going to leave the beach. Um, you also have uh, Locke over there with the others. And um, he's finally <laughs> taking charge. He um, tells Ben, we're going to go see Jacob. You know, I, I want to see him right now. And Ben tries to kind of brush him off, but Locke isn't going to have any of it. He makes Ben take him to Jacob. And so they go to Jacob's cabin and, um, you know, it's an empty cabin and there's this whole weird scene where something um, happens, right? Ben is like talking to an empty chair and Locke doesn't see anything, but then all of a sudden Locke sees something and I think Here's it, a voice. yeah, the cabin shakes and it's just really weird. And, you know, they leave the cabin and, you know, Ben seems kind of surprised too. And it's just this, this really weird scene and you, you're like, what on earth just happened? Did we just see Jacob? What on earth? And so, um. You haven't mentioned the ending to that episode. Right. And so then they're going back to the camp and Ben takes. So Locke believes. Right. So Ben takes Locke past the uh, mass grave of the Dharma initiative that Ben and the others gassed. And as Locke's looking down into it, Ben shoves him down and then shoots Locke there as he lays down there with probably a broken back at the bottom of this grave. And... Well, if nothing else, it looks like he's been shot through the chest. Yeah, and then Ben just calmly walks off. Leaving Locke among these rotting bodies... Yeah. His mass grave. Yeah, and it's what just a horrifying thought. Yeah, it's just crazy. It, I mean, it's a it's a tour de force for Ben Linus throughout how he's you know he's planning this invasion on the beach. He's he's a little bit shaken when Locke is pushing him around, but you know takes him does what Locke wants to do and then pushes him down, Remains shoots him, control. leaves him to die, right? And then the flashback seeing 
how cold and, and callous he is even after um his uh, childhood you see him as a kind of a scared child mm-hmm. and and maybe beaten down a little bit and so yeah it's really interesting um to see i think the man behind the curtain refers to ben um i guess you could say the man behind the curtain refers to jacob um since maybe he's the shadowy figure yeah. that we're just uh seeing for the Getting first time but um i don't know if it's a wizard of oz reference i guess you could see, say that jacob is um you know the uh, Wizard of Oz as as this great terrible force that you never see, and Ben is really the man behind the curtain, who's really controlling things. Huh. And you know, of course, we know later in the show there actually is a Jacob, and he actually was, um, you know, pulling strings and things. But at this point, you're wondering: is there really a Jacob? Right. Is this something Ben just made up? Yeah. And yeah, really great episode, really shocking ending. Really like this one: the man behind the curtain. Yeah, that one was really shocking, but it just, it was so cold and so cruel and callous. I just, Uh uh, I couldn't, I I don't like to think about it too much, actually. My number seven. All right, my number six is your number eight, I believe. Yep. So, it's from season four, episode five, The Constant. Mm -hmm. And in this one, we get our first taste of time travel. (laughs) So that right there just was really cool. Anytime you have time travel and something is is pretty cool. And they did a super good job Mm. in this episode especially. Mm -hmm. And so you're flashing back and forth in Desmond's timeline. And he is literally flashing back and forth. It's not just we're seeing into his past. But he is traveling back and forth in time. And it's unraveling him. Mm-hmm. And so he's learning from the present where he needs to go. And so then he goes in the past to talk to uh, past Daniel Faraday. Uh, and uh, past Daniel Faraday tells Desmond, okay, tell my future self this. <laughs> and so, and mm-hmm. it's like this weird, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole time... Uh, you're wondering, is Desmond really going to make it? Because, uh, you know, he's unraveling from this and it's killing him. All this time travel is just too much for his mind to handle. And you're really rooting for him. And he he decides, okay, uh, he finds out that there's got to be something, a constant from both time periods. And he hmm. decides that's going to be his girlfriend, Penny. But in the past, she hates him uh, right. because he broke up with her. And so he's like, look, please, just on this certain day, call me at this number and at this time and please if if you ever felt any love for me at all and she you know she slams the door in his face without really a promise that she will and like 10 years later or something many years later mm-hmm. like you wonder years. has she even does she even remember does she still have that number right and then she calls he calls her he gets he okay, gets her he phone calls number, her, and she well, finally and he picks says, up. Keep this number, and yeah, yep, yeah. And so that that moment of relief when you realize everything's gonna be all right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a really great episode, and I don't really have too much more to say about it than that. Do you? Yep, I I remember like if you had asked me the first time through watching this, this probably would have been my favorite episode. 
and I really, really liked it. Um, I didn't think it was, it didn't move me as much, I guess, this time around, maybe because I kind of knew it was coming, possibly. But yeah, still really great episode, and um, really like the uh, jumping back and forth through time. There's a book, which I think was the inspiration for this, called Slaughterhouse-Five, where there's a character that kind of jumps back and forth through time like this. He's unstuck in time. Um, it's okay. I think this is definitely a much better story than than that story, but I'm I'm glad that they're able to take that structure and and put on it. put a really good lost yeah. story in it. So, yep, uh, the creators called this arguably their favorite episode. Yeah, and I could definitely see see people liking this as their favorite. So, yep, very good choice. Yeah, so that was my number six, the constant. All right, my number six. So in num- uh, my number seven was The Man Behind the Curtain, Season 3, Episode 20. Uh, I have an honorable mention for Season 3, Episode 21, the one right after that, Greatest Hits. And this one, my number six, is Season 3, Episode 22. So that's got to be the best three episodes. In a row. Yeah, three episodes streak on the show. Three that I really liked. This one is Through the Looking Glass, Parts 1 and 2. Yeah. Season 3, Episode 22. So... I mean, there's just so so much that happens. Um, so, of course, the main main thing is uh, Charlie going down to the underwater station with Desmond, and you know, sacrificing himself so that uh, he can get information from Penny. Uh, one of the best moments, best character so deaths and lost, and so you know that's really great. Uh, you have the return of Mikhail. I know. This crazy Russian. And, uh, you know, he finally does die. Even more fearsome than before. Right. He seems to die a couple times in this episode. And he finally does then at the end. Uh, you have uh, Saeed, Bernard, and Jin staying back at the beach. Mm, yeah. To um, try and hold off the others. Yeah. And they get kidnapped and uh, then are rescued. You think they, you think they're dead. You think they're shot, but yeah. it, that was just a bluff. Uh, they're still alive, and um, Sawyer and Juliet come try and save them, and they're not able to stop them. And what actually ends up saving them all is Hurley, Hurley driving his van <laughs> or driving the bus, the VW bus, I know. through and and mowing down some of the others. And, that was uh, so great. Yep, such a great Hurley moment. Yep, and then. Uh, as well, while you've got that going on, of course, Jack is trying to lead the people off the island. And so they, uh, when Charlie shuts down the uh, jamming signal, he gets on that satellite phone and calls the freighter. And it's this real triumphant moment. They're going to get off the island. And he does that in spite of Locke trying to tell him, no, you can't do this. Uh, Locke even ben. throws a knife into the back yeah. of Naomi, who... Um, has that satellite phone. Yeah, Ben Linus is there trying to convince Jack not to make this phone call. And uh, Jack still does it. He still still makes that phone call. And while all this is going on, you have... Oh, and I guess I should mention, because we left Locke in that mass grave before. You know, Locke wakes up and uh, Walt appears to him and says, there's still work for you to do, John. And somehow, I guess the island heals John again. He's able to get up again and walk. Sheer 
force of will, I guess. Right. Um, you have uh, Rousseau, meaning her daughter Alex, for the first time Aww. in how many years? And uh, them tying up Ben <laughs> together. <laughs> um, you have Sawyer shooting Tom, yeah. the big doofy other. That was, which I was is almost a little sad. Yeah, almost a little sad. That well, this... Sawyer shot him in cold blood even after he'd surrendered. Right. And he said was... he didn't believe him, and he said it was because he took Walt. I was going to say, so. on the one hand, these people have lied so much. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you really can trust anything they say. Right. But True. still, True. he had surrendered. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And so, yeah, all these great moments. And then on top of all that, if, if that was it, that would still be a great episode. But on top of all that, you're seeing Jack uh, with a beard and he's in a bad time in his life. This. All these different things going on. He's he's drinking. He's just uh, made a mess of himself. And then you realize at the very, very end of the episode, this is a flash forward. I hated the that. The first flash forward, as far as I know, in television history. What a shocker. And Jack is saying, we've got to go back. We've got to go back, Kate. We've got to go back. One of the most memorable moments in Lost history. Wow, I'm almost talking myself into putting this episode higher on the list. Um, but yeah, what a great season finale. What a great uh, couple hours because it's a two-parter episode. Yeah. All those things I was talking about. Yeah, great episode. Um, I I thought you might put this one on your list. But uh, maybe we'll see some of the moments show up on your top maybe. 10 moments. So anything else to add? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, yeah. What a great one. So that's my number six, Through the Looking Glass. All right. Well, my number five comes from season two, episode 17, and it's called Lockdown. Oh, yeah. So I really like the flashback in this episode where you're finding out more about Locke and how he, uh, at this point, he's met his girlfriend, Helen, mm -hmm. and... You know, they've really uh, hit it off well together. And then she notices that uh, her fa his father has passed away. She sees his name in the, mm. uh, the newspaper mm -hmm. obituary. And so they go to the funeral, even though nobody else is there. And Locke tells the coffin, I forgive you. And that's a powerful moment right yeah, there. it really is. Where... Yeah. I mean, you really see how much it took for Locke to come to this moment. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you realize his father faked his death and is still wanting Locke to get him some money so that he can, you know, get out of town. And, and so this is stirring <laughs> up all of Locke's feelings again, all, everything that he had just mm -hmm. finally come to terms with laid laid to rest become at peace with and now I, this this horrible man is just stirring it all up again right and, and then on top using of him that, again yeah and, but Locke, i think out of genuine forgiveness decides i will help my father uh escape you know town because you know his dad has gotten himself in some sort of i think gambling debts or something and yeah, something so like there's that. people that are after him and so Locke decides i'll help my father this once and then I'll be done. And right. you know, it's his way of forgiving his father. Mm -hmm. 
But then Helen finds out. Yeah, because he didn't tell Helen about it. Exactly. And so she thinks Locke just can't let go of his father. And she breaks up with him. And you're just so heartbroken for Locke Mm. and so furious Mm. with his father. He ruins every single thing in Locke's life. Mm -hmm. Hate that man. So it was Locke was uh, going to propose. Or he I did, know he, he does was, propose. Actually, he does, and Helen but says it's too, late. it's too late. Yep. Yeah. So, oh man, what a heart wrenching flashback! Mm. So, mm-hmm. just for the flashback, this is a great episode. But then on top of that, we're still dealing with Henry Gale, uh, mm-hmm. right? Also known as Ben Linus, though we don't find that out till later, in the hatch. And the previous episode had ended with Saeed and Anna Lucia and Kate or somebody else uh, going to investigate Henry's story about having flown to the yeah, island. That's Charlie, a- Saeed. Yeah. Okay. And Anna Lucia, I think. About having arrived on the island in a hot air balloon. Right. And uh, the previous episode ended with Henry saying quite casually, of course, if I was one of the others, the smart thing to do would be to send your friends off on a wild goose chase into the mountains where my people could kidnap them and trade them for me. <laughs> That's if I was one of the others. Ah, and the episode just ends <laughs> like that. So you're coming into, on this episode in lockdown, that scene where Jack and Locke are like, what on earth? And, you know, and, and Henry's like, oh, no, 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 that was just a joke. A, a really bad joke, but just a joke. So, I mean, you're really wondering, can Henry really be trusted? You don't think he can be. It ends up Locke is standing guard over Henry there in the hatch. And then he hears uh, strange things begin to happen in the in the hatch. And so a female voice starts counting down to 10 and then blast doors begin to shut. Locke manages to keep one slightly open with a crowbar and he's working on wedging it back up. But Hmm. uh, as he tries to slide under, it comes crashing down again and it pins him. Hmm. And so his only hope is now is Henry because he needs Henry to crawl through the vents to get to where the the machine is so he can enter the numbers and reset the timer because he hears that the timer is like five minutes away from going off. And so it looks like Henry can be trusted after all. So the whole episode, you're wondering, can Henry be trusted? Can he not? And then a new mystery gets added because while Locke is lying there pinned, all the lights go out and suddenly this fluorescent light turns on. Hmm. And this black light, I guess, and you see this diagram, this sort of map drawn on the wall of one of the blast doors. Mm-hmm. And then everything works out and the blast doors uh, go back up and it turns out Henry is still there. He could have escaped, but he chose to mm. stay. Yep. And so you realize, oh, he's trustworthy after all. He must yeah. be who he says he is. Yeah. And then... The expedition group gets back and they say, well, they found the hot air balloon. They found the grave where he said he buried his wife. and uh, But they dug it up just to be sure. And it turns out there's not his wife. It's a man in there with <laughs> an ID card of Henry Gale. Mm-hmm. Turns out 
this man cannot be trusted after all. He's lying the whole time. So <laughs> episodes like that that just make you go back and forth between opinions that really mess with you are mm-hmm. pretty great. And then just for fun, uh, another thing that I really liked about this episode is uh, anytime that uh, Sawyer gets beaten at one of his own games is pretty great. Mm. So in this one, Sawyer is playing poker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with some playing cards and you know Sawyer of course is winning most of the hands and uh getting whatever he wants Jack walks up and he's like well I'll play and he manages to you know and he, he gets it where Sawyer is interested in playing with him uh and you you realize later that Jack is conning Sawyer so that's pretty great mm-hmm. and <laughs> Jack of course beats the tar out of Sawyer and and gets back some medicine that Sawyer had been hoarding. So just any time that Sawyer gets beaten is kind of satisfying, especially here <laughs> when he's still being kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What a great episode. Lockdown. That is a good one. My that number was five. On my short list, for sure. Alright. My number five. Speaking of lock flashbacks, it is Walkabout. Season one episode four so early on of course and the survivors are still trying to you know figure things on the island how are they going to get food and you find out ah this mysterious guy Locke has a case full of knives and so he proposes they go hunt the boar and use and uh, eat them and so you have the hunting missions going on um you have Jack talking to Rose, and Rose seems like she's in shock, kind of, but you realize that um, her husband was on the plane, and she believes that he's still alive, which seems pretty crazy, but um, that's an interesting moment. Uh, Then, um, you know, Locke is out in the forest during the the hunt, and... um, he he's going to go after the boar alone at one mm-hmm. point and Kate's doubting him and he says, oh, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> and I think it's the first time he says that. Um, so then um, as he's out hunting, you see, well, you don't see the monster, but the monster encounters Locke and you see it from the perspective of the monster and Locke is staring right at it. Like, what, what is going on? What is this thing? It, you know, it's killed people already. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it kill Locke? Just stare. It just looks at him and goes away. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then um, you have uh, also uh, Charlie's trying to get a fish for Shannon because she asked him to <laughs> get her a fish because she's trying to prove to Boone that she can uh, provide for herself by manipulating other people. <laughs> and so Charlie's all proud. He gets her a fish and realizes he was just being used. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So that's pretty fun, kind of funny side story. Uh, Jack sees a man in a suit somewhere in the forest and tries to go running off and uh, see him, but nope, nothing there. Looks away and, and there's nothing there. So you know, all these things that are going to um, pay off later are happening in this episode. And then, of course, you have the great flashback, first flashback for John Locke, yeah. which his flashbacks are always my favorite. And, you know, you're seeing his life. He's, in contrast to 
his sort of jungle hunter persona on the island. <laughs> I mean, he works in a box company, just in a cubicle. Um, he's um, he's got this really sad life, and in his in the last scene of his flashback, he's there in Australia. He wants to go on this walkabout, this trek out into the uh, desert, and they tell him he cannot go on it. Because of his condition. Because of his condition. And then you find out he's in a wheelchair. This whole yeah. time, you think back, oh, he was he was sitting the whole time or laying down the whole time we were seeing him. Yeah. He was... He he was paralyzed from the waist down. Really cleverly shot. He he's wanting to go on this walkabout to prove that he's you know prove he's a man and and he thinks this is his destiny. He has to do this and you can't don't tell me what I can't do. But they're not going to let him go on the walkabout. And then as you're seeing this and realizing, wow, he he was in a wheelchair and it flashes back, and the the very end of the episode is him you know, staring into the campfire and looking across at the silhouette of his wheelchair. And mm-hmm. kind of smiling, and um, you know, it shows again the moment where he's he has just landed, up waking up on the yeah. beach, and he's twitching his feet and and yeah. you know, kind of holding his legs and standing up, and he's almost happy. Yeah. Um, even with all the chaos going around, and you realize now why that is. Yeah. And yeah, it's just such a satisfying moment for the character. It's such a good twist. Yeah. Um, like I said on a previous episode, I saw season two before I saw season one. Um, but thankfully, this was still a big surprise to me. Oh, okay. And yeah, uh, this is, I think, the first one of the best surprises. Really good episodes yeah. of Lost. Um, I mean, it's in my top ten, and it's only the fourth episode. And I know other people. This is this is the one that hooked them for the show, and I can definitely see that this is this is a really good one. So that is my number five walkabout. All right, my number four comes from season one. It's episode 11, and it's called All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. (laughs) So the previous episode ended with Claire and Charlie out in the woods. It looks like she was about to have her baby, but then, you know, uh, it turned out it was just Braxton Hicks, and and, uh, she's Mm -hmm. okay again. And they're heading back to the caves to, to be with the rest of the survivors, and they encounter Ethan, <laughs> just staring at them with that inc- that creepy expression. And the episode ends. And so now, in this episode, Claire and Charlie are missing. And Hurley has alerted the rest of the survivors. Ethan was not part of the plane crash. He was not one of the survivors. Hmm. He was already on the island. Dun, dun, dun. So, I mean, that... Th- that thrilling chill that you get down your spine as you realize he is out there with Claire and Charlie and he seemed to have this like fascination with her baby and uh, Claire was afraid somebody was trying to steal her baby. Sure enough, Mm -hmm. Claire and Charlie are missing now. (laughs) And so they form a search party. They set out after them and they're searching frantically following a trail, following clues that Charlie has managed to leave behind. (laughs) And then... Ethan encounters Jack, one of the searchers, and Mm. beats him up and says, if you keep on following me, one of them will die. (laughs) And that is a really horrifying moment. And they keep on searching. And then they come across Charlie, and he has been strung up. And he's hanging there. 
And you think, oh, no, not Charlie. Oh, they're trying to rescue them. And instead, Jack causes death. And so they mm. they pull him down and they frantically do CPR. And, and you cheer when he comes back. And yep. yep. They got to him in time. And then you learn from Charlie. He doesn't really remember anything of what happened except that really they, whoever they are, Mm-hmm. All they ever wanted was was Claire. <laughs> and that's right. a really horrifying thought that somebody would kidnap a pregnant woman. Hmm. So uh, it's a really horrifying episode the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then yep. right at the end, you've got Boone and Locke. They were still out searching for Charlie. They ended up taking a dummy trail that Ethan had created. And so they're heading back, and they suddenly... Uh, encounter something strange. Boone drops his flashlight and it lands with a metal clank. (laughs) And that's how the episode ends as they're just staring at this patch of metal in the ground. So yeah, a really good episode. Keeps you in suspense the whole time. Works on your emotions and then introduces a new mystery at the end. My number four. All the best cowboys have daddy issues. Yeah, and I don't even think you mentioned the flashback, did you? Yeah, I For this one. I thought it was fine. Isn't this the one where Jack has to turn in his father? Yeah, for 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 operating on a pregnant woman under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was uh, Yeah, it was a, a good really, moment for Jack. Really good flashback, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this was definitely on my short list. That's a good choice. All right, uh, my number four, another crossover, and so I'm just going to sit back and see how it plays out when we get up to it on her list. So hit me with your number three. All right, my number three comes from season six. It's episode nine called Ab Eternal. Oh, uh, yeah. And this one is where you finally find out about Richard. Richard, Richard Alpert. Alpert. So almost the whole episode is just, yeah, it's just one big flashback of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you find out that he was just kind of a poor Hispanic guy uh, living back in 1867, <laughs> which before now you've had hints that Richard has really been along, around a long time, and he yep. never ages. He never looks any different. Right, People right. say that he's been around for forever, and now you find out just how long, since 1867. Mm. And so it starts off with he's racing to the doctor in an effort to beg medicine for his dying wife, and the doctor won't give it to him because he doesn't have enough money to pay. And Richard ends up accidentally killing the the doctor. And you can tell he's horrified by it. And he didn't mean to do it. But he still takes the medicine and races back to his wife. Only to find out that she already passed away. And it's mm. so sad. I mean, you you yeah. only met her for this very brief moment. Yep. Uh, but somehow you've really... Mm-hmm formed a connection with these two and you're really rooting for him to to be able to get back to her in time. So now Richard is going to be executed for his 
accidental murder of the doctor, but then he ends up getting sold into slavery. And uh, throughout this, he's been begging for forgiveness from a priest, and the priest says, there's no forgiveness for you, uh, which is really harsh. Uh, and mm. and so it really works on your emotions again for, for Richard that uh, he's just had so many bad breaks in his life, and now on top of everything, he's being sold onto the slave ship, and then the ship ends up crashing on the island, and it's the Black Rock. Right. Uh, the slave ship <laughs> that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And you see how Richard has encountered the smoke monster and it killed everybody else except him. In fact, the man in black came and was the one who set Richard free, which was really shocking to me. It was not Jacob that came and set him free. It was mm-hmm. the man in black. Mm-hmm. And so you start to question is really... Is Jacob really all that good of a guy? Maybe the man in black is has his good points. Turns out he was just <laughs> man- working on manipulating Richard. Yep. And eventually, Richard meets Jacob and agrees to uh, work for him and kind of be his representative, uh, talk to people for him. And so he's kind of granted immortality right. for that reason. But then... You know, by now, season six, Richard has really become disillusioned with Jacob, mm-hmm. and he's ready to go over to the man in black side. Right. And uh, so that's pretty pretty crazy, too. This is the man who has always, he's been Jacob's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And now he is he's just completely lost faith. And right. he's going over to the man in black side. But then he he gets stopped by Hurley. And Hurley sees Richard's dead wife. R- Hurley can see dead people. And she gives him a message for Richard. And that moment where uh, Hurley's translating for them and then it Hurley stops having to translate because it's like Richard can hear what she's saying. That was a really sweet moment. And you really see it really. He's never stopped loving his wife. He never got over the pain of losing her. And this kind of brings him some closure. And he decides once again, he'll go back to serving Jacob. And it's just a happy ending. You really, really hoped that he wouldn't go over to the man in black. And Hurley got there just in time. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was a really great episode. My number three, Ab Eterno. That is a good one. Also my short list. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a neat little, almost like a mini movie. We're learning about Richard, and um, I would compare this one again to the one with Miles, some like at Hoth, where you don't know much about this character really, and then in this episode you kind of make that connection, and it's really, really well done how how they make you, uh, you know, connect to these characters in in a really short time. Very good. All right, to my number three. Now we did tell each other what was on the list, so we wouldn't duplicate each other. But I actually didn't tell you my top three just because I wanted this to be a surprise. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure you're going to be a little bit shocked. And I would have been shocked myself the first time um, going through the show. This wouldn't have been in my top ten. But this last time going watching the show definitely had to be there. Season six, episode 17, the end. The finale of the show is my number three. 
And I mean, there's, it's two hours, so I'm not going to go over everything, but just in general, you know, Jack is the new Jacob. He um, realizes he's going to have to kill the man in black. Doesn't know how he's going to do it, but eventually he's able to um, unplug the, uh, or he gets uh, Desmond actually to go down and unplug the uh, source of you know light and goodness and whatever in the center of the island, and he kills the man in black, and then goes down, puts the plug back in, and saves everybody. Meanwhile, the others are trying to escape on the plane. You find out Lapidus is still alive. He's going to fly the plane off. And so Kate and Sawyer and Claire and the others uh, there, Richard, um, they get to the plane and are able to leave the island. Um, you see Rose and Bernard one last time. They're on the island. They're, they're happy to stay. And... Um, yeah, I, I think that part of the episode is fine. Um, it did what they had to do. They connected the dots. There's some, some good moments, for sure, but it wasn't, um, you know, best episode material just by itself. However, along with that, um, at the same time, you've got the, uh, the Flash Sideways, which you realize is not a parallel world. It's actually... Uh, basically like a purgatory right and so um you, you don't realize that until the very end but these characters are starting to remember as they come into contact with each other as Sawyer, Sawyer and Juliet come together and they they remember um uh Jin and Son remember um the island um Charlie Claire Kate they remember that's a really great moment um, when Locke remembers, especially coming out of surgery on his back, and he remembers, and uh, just his reaction. That's one of my favorite parts of the episode. And all these characters remembering what went on the island. So you've got that going along, and then um, you're getting to the end. Jack realizes he's not going to make it off the island, and he tells Hurley, Hurley, you have to be the one to be in charge. And Hurley is so broken up um, about Jack dying. He's so broken up about really everything and taking this responsibility. He doesn't think he can do it, but you know Jack believes in him, and um, that's a really great moment. Um, sort of the the um, the crowning moment for Hurley as he takes on this responsibility, and then um, in the flash sideways all of the characters making their way to the church where jack finally realizes uh he he remembers the the island he talks to his father he realizes he's dead uh, you know they all die eventually whether they had uh, died there on the island or whether they had long and happy lives afterwards everyone dies eventually and they all came to this place after death they all came together because um of how much I guess they meant to each other how much um, they did together. Um, of course, not a, not a Christian ending. Um, that's not how the afterlife works, um, you know, for Christians. Um, but I thought it was really powerful for the television show, uh, an ending, um, for them to, to all come together like that. Afterlife right, right. Like that, so yeah. Right, and just uh, 
seeing these characters all together one last time and greeting each other. At the same time, you're you know, seeing them come together in this really happy moment in the church. Uh, you're seeing Jack stumble back to the bamboo forest where it all started. He lays down. Vincent comes, Vincent running, comes up. running up. The dog from the very first <laughs> episode that happened in the very beginning. Vincent coming out of the bamboo uh, to wake up Jack. You see the sneaker hanging from the tree mm-hmm. that you saw in the very first episode. And um, Jack lays down. He looks up. He sees the plane flying off. Yeah. He sees they escape from the island. He realizes that the sacrifice that he made meant something. Thing. He realizes his life uh, was for a purpose, a good purpose. And these people that he loves are um, better off because of the choices he made and the sacrifice that he made. And um, closes his eyes. And that's the end. And yeah. Very bittersweet. It is bittersweet, but such a perfect ending for the show. I thought so even more the second time. And this just had to be my number three. I, I really thought about putting it as my number one. Wow. And I think just emotionally, I'd say maybe the most emotionally stirring, just as the as the ultimate lost episode, as that very ending, um, I could definitely see someone uh, putting this as their number one. I thought about putting it as my number one, but ended up in the end sticking at number three. I'm happy with where it is. Go ahead and tell me why. Why you don't think I should have put it? This oh high. no, it's fine. I uh, I didn't even consider it for my list, but uh, it's your list, and so you can do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> like like most people, I didn't absolutely love the ending, right. but I I right. really like that you love it so much yeah. because it has helped me to consider it and appreciate it a little more, and at least try to appreciate what the writers were trying to do. Mm-hmm. So. So I'm glad that you like it so much. Yeah. That's my number three. The end. But I wouldn't choose it. Right. (laughs) All right. Moving on to the top two. And this one was higher on your list. See, my number two comes from season six, episode seven, and it's called Dr. Linus. Oh, yeah. Boy, what a great episode. Yep. So the flash sideways for this one, mm-hmm. I think, is probably the best. I'd, I'd say for sure it's the best flash sideways. So you see Benjamin Linus, who on the island has been pretty much a monster. Uh, but here uh, in this flash sideways, he's just mm-hmm. a history teacher at a high school. And you can tell he really cares about his students. Yep, And he's really trying to... You know, teach the past in order to help them make good decisions for the present. Right. And most of the students are kind of your regular humdrum, don't really care too much about history. But he has one shining student, and it's Alex. And you can (laughs) tell this is his... His shining gem, his jewel that he really hopes he (laughs) he can see great things in store for her future. Right, right. And he really pours his heart, his life into her. Anything she wants, you can tell he would he would give the world to her. <laughs> Turns out, Ben learns from her, uh, kind of by accident, that the principal is having an affair with a school nurse. 
and already they've been uh, Ben has been kind of dissatisfied with mm-hmm. uh, how the school is being run. Chafing. Yeah. And so he starts thinking, well, maybe this would be it'd be better if if he were in charge. Mm. And uh, goaded a little bit by Arst, we get to see Arst again. <laughs> yep. Uh, he get he hacks into the principal's email so that he can blackmail him. Hmm. But then the principal says, well, if you blackmail me, I won't write a good letter of recommendation for Alex. Hmm. In fact, I will write the worst letter of recommendation ever. <laughs> She'll never get into any college, much less a good college. Right. I will wreck her career. Right. And so you see Ben struggling with, should I get rid of this horrible man and ultimately be able to run the school better and, and mm-hmm. make things better for everybody, but mm-hmm. uh, it would it would doom this the future of this girl that I just care for so much and that I, I right. really want right. to succeed in life. And you see him make the right choice, the choice that he, <laughs> he has not made on the island. Right. He gives up his desire for power for the better of someone else, for the good of others. Right. And and things do end up going okay. Uh, I mean, it's not ideal, but uh, he finds ways to to be happy with his situation and be content with the fact that he made the right decision. And Alex is gonna uh, get into an, a fantastic school. So, just for the flash sideways, this was a really good episode. But man, everything else that happened on it was really great too. So Ilana finds out. That Ben killed Jacob, and she sets him to dig his own grave here on the island. Well, the man in black, not Locke, appears to Ben and says, If you'll come follow me, uh, I'll help you escape. Uh, make a run for it. There's a rifle against a tree. You can reach it before Ilana gets to you, and then I, you'll be able to escape. So, Ben makes a run for it, reaches the rifle... And he and Ilana have a talk, and Ben ends up finally breaking down and confessing that uh, he let his daughter die because he wanted power more than anything else. And you see how that has really tortured him all this time. And Ilana asks him, well, what are you going to do now? And he says, well, I guess I'll go follow the man in black. I'll follow Locke. What else can I do? No one else will have me mm-hmm. because he's just been such a monster to everybody. And Ilana says, I'll have you. Mm-hmm. And just that moment where she forgives Ben mm-hmm. in spite of everything that he's done. And you see yep. the hope on Ben's face mm-hmm. that he has a, he's been offered redemption, a chance when there's no way he could ever possibly have deserved it. That is such a powerful moment. Mm -hmm. And then also elsewhere on the island, you see Richard Alpert. He's lost faith in Jacob, Mm -hmm. and he's just going to go commit suicide. He's going to light a match there in the black rock that's loaded up with dynamite, (laughs) and he's going to kill himself. And Jack... Well, he can't kill himself, so he he wants Hurley or Jack to do it for him. That's true. I forgot about Mm -hmm. that. And so Jack, at this point, has turned from being a man of science to a man of faith. And he 
has faith in Jacob. He believes that the island is not done with him or with Richard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he decides, I'm going to help Richard light this match and light, light the fuse. But he makes it an extra long fuse. And he just sits there and talks with, with Richard. And Richard is saying, Jack, you got to get out of here. I don't want <laughs> you to die. I'm, I'm just, I just want me to die. Mm -hmm. And Jack says, you're not going to die. Mm -hmm. The dynamite isn't going to go off. And sure enough, the fuse shorts out. And just that moment where you see Richard realize, maybe my life hasn't been purposeless. Maybe there <laughs> is a a reason for my existence, my being yeah. here yep. and uh, how Jack sort of helps him along with his faith. So, wow, what an episode. Powerful all around. I hope I haven't stolen everything you wanted to say, but yeah, no, that was pretty so good. good. Yeah. I like the, um, I like a little, I guess I'll say a little bit more about how it starts with Ben. You know, Ben comes running out of the jungle and runs into um, the others at the beach and, um, you know, they finally, Alana finally asks him about, um, you know, asks him point blank about Jacob. And Ben says, yeah, um, the man in black killed Jacob. And Alana asks Miles to verify. Well, Miles that, was the one that said it originally that told Ilana because he found out from uh, the dead people that he was passing over. Okay. Maybe yeah. so. Um but here, um, you know, Miles verifies that Ben was the one that killed Jacob. And, um, you know, you see then instantly Ben, again, is the outsider. He tries to kind of smooth it over and ingratiate himself with the others, but they're not going to have any of it. And, um, you know, he tells Miles he, uh, you know, Jacob wanted to die. And Miles says, oh, no, he didn't want to die. He was hoping up until the last minute that you would, yeah. he would be wrong about you and you wouldn't, you wouldn't kill him. And, uh, you know, Twist Ben's trying to, Ben's heart. right. Ben tries to bribe Miles again like he had previously. Miles says, oh, no, I can go get some, uh, a bunch of diamonds from Nikki and Paolo that got buried over there, buried yeah. alive. I don't need any money from you. And so Ben is, you know, at his last rope when he when he goes running off in the jungle after that rifle, and yeah, yeah, really great episode, very good choice. That's that's my number four. Your number two, three, two. Yeah, two. Two. Very good. I didn't think that would be that high for you, but very good choice. All right, my number two. Yeah. Season two, episode three, orientation. Yeah. So if you remember, first couple episodes of season two, start kind of slowly. You know, they, they both take you up to the point where uh, they're encountering Desmond in the hatch. Well, season three is where it takes off. And uh, they start talking to Desmond. Uh, oh, Kate knocks him out. But then um, uh, as, as Desmond falls, he uh, shoots his shotgun into the computer and Desmond starts freaking out. You know, everyone's going to die. He grabs some supplies and he runs out of the uh, of the hatch. And Jack realizes, uh, this is a guy I ran into three years ago. You know, what are the odds? This is really weird. And they go and get Saeed because they uh, are going to try and fix the computer because, you know, Desmond is saying uh, 
this is a problem. You need to keep pushing the numbers. He tells them, watch this film. And so they watch the first orientation film. And there's this mysterious scientist that's telling them they need to push the buttons. And it's very important. And Locke immediately believes. Says, yeah, we've got to do this. So Saeed's there um, repairing the computer. Jack goes running off after Desmond. And um, they have this this uh, kind of showdown and uh great moment then with with Desmond during the showdown and then you know he runs off Jack goes back to the hatch and um Locke has put in the numbers uh and 4815 but instead of pushing enter he wants Jack to push enter he wants mm-hmm. Jack to push execute because he doesn't want to be the only one that has faith down this, here pushing yeah. this button he wants Jack to do it and there's that really, really great exchange where he asks Jack, why is it so hard for you to believe? And Jack says, well, why is it so easy for you? And Locke says, it's never been easy. Mm. And, you know, you can see the frustration with Locke and, you know, how many things have gone wrong in his life. And, you know, he thinks Jack should be able to believe because, um, He's you had know, a charmed life. Right, and, and Locke himself... All these terrible things have happened, but he still believes that there's a purpose, that he has a destiny, and he's able to convince Jack, the man of faith, man of science, he's able to convince Jack to push the button, and Locke is satisfied with that. He he says, all right, I'll I'll take the first shift, and now they're going to take shifts down there. Um, across the island, you see the... Um, Michael and Jin and Sawyer from the raft have been mm. captured by you think they're the others. Um, later, you're going to find out it's the survivors the from the tail section. Yeah. Yep, the tailies. And so you have um, another one of the prisoners come down to the pit where they're being held captive, and it's on Lucia. And you think, okay, another another one that's been caught by the others, but nope. She was just trying to get some information mm-hmm. and get the gun from Sawyer. And uh, she snatches that and says coming up and and leaves so that's this crazy moment you're, what yeah. on earth is going on and then um in the flashbacks um it's a it's a lock flashback it's lock in the support group and he's getting frustrated and that's where he meets helen who becomes his girlfriend and um lock can't stop going by uh, where his father uh his father's house is his father's betrayed him, but he still feels like he needs to talk to his father. He needs to know why. And um, he's basically stalking him. His father comes out, and they have that moment in the car where his father says, don't come back, you're not wanted. And Locke breaks down, but he still keeps still keeps coming back. Um, even though Helen tell- makes him promise he won't, he still keeps doing it. And finally, at the end, uh, she uh, he says he's not going to go back anymore. He's and you're really happy because it seems like he's going to move on from this and um, you know make it work with Helen. And so, uh, really great flashback for Locke. And then um, you know you're introducing the mysteries of the button and Desmond and the orientation films. That great. Uh, confrontation at the end between Jack and Locke. This is just a great episode. When I think of Lost, this is one of the things I think about. Yeah. Just yeah, all these scenes are really iconic for me. So that's my number two. Orientation. 
Yeah, it's it's it is when season two did start to pick up, but yep, yep, it didn't make that big of an impression on me. <laughs> All right, are you ready for my number one? I'm ready for your number because one because I'm I'm not sure that I am. Uh-oh. I was just rereading the synopsis of it again and everything that happens, and I'm just yeah. floored again. Ah, oh, it is season I know we one. Went over it. I still don't remember what it is. Episode 24, exit, 24 and 25. It's Exodus Part 2. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can count them Exodus yeah. 1 and 2. So much happens mm. in mm-hmm. these episodes. So the flashbacks aren't that big of a deal. It's basically just everything that happened right before everybody got onto the airplane that stranded them on the island. So not that big of a deal. But on the island... It starts out with Rousseau arriving at the beach to warn everybody that the others are coming. And she tells them that 16 years ago, their arrival was heralded by a column of black smoke, and they came and kidnapped her baby. And shortly after, as they're working on the raft, Walt notices a column of black smoke in the distance. (laughs) Ah! So then they all tell Rousseau about the hatch and how they need to open it. And she says, well, I know where you can get some dynamite. And she leads them off into the jungle. And right before everybody sets sail on the raft, and by everybody I mean Sawyer, Jen, Michael, and Walt, there's only room for four people. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, goodbyes all around and Charlie's collecting notes uh, in a bottle for people to... Uh, for them to send on the raft with them. So there's kind of this emotional time, and uh, Sawyer and Jack have kind of been at odds sort of throughout the first season, but Sawyer tells Jack that, uh, well, I did meet your father down in Australia, and uh, Hmm. he said these things about you, and uh, nice things. And, uh, (laughs) you know, that's really touching for Jack. You can see he's moved and that uh, it's a, it's a bit of closure for him, for him to hear these things about his father that he'd never really gotten along too well with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, and Jack gives Sawyer a gun and that's pretty incredible. (laughs) That's, that's trusting of him and son and Jen at this point, they've been kind of at odds, especially since he found out she'd, she could speak English and had been keeping that fact from him. Hmm. But uh, she gives him a piece of paper that will help him to communicate with the, uh, the others on the raft. And so they reconcile, and that's really good, too. <laughs> uh, and he says he's still going to leave, but so that he can rescue her. Right. So you've got them about to sail off in the, into the distance, and there's this note of hope that... <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, at least some people are making it off the island while there's this note of of doom and and darkness that the others are coming and uh who knows what they're mm. gonna do, what their intentions are. They can't be good. They've already tried to kidnap Claire. They've uh haven't haven't they killed some of the people? They've certainly threatened them. They tried to kill Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So that's how the first part of Exodus ends. And then the second part, they the search party gets to the Black Rock, the slave ship holding the dynamite, and Russo leaves. And then as they're handling the dynamite, Arst is like, hey, 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 be very careful. This is, 
It's highly volatile. It could explode at any moment, and he's showing them you have to get a piece of cloth wet in a puddle and very, very carefully wrap it around this <laughs> stick. And then he, uh, after he's carefully wrapped it up, he says, see, you can't, just can't be very lighthearted with these things. And he does this little gesture with his hand, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he blows up. Yep. And it's so shocking. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised Ars wasn't one of your honorable mentions. He's been in three of your favorite episodes so far. I know. He's, well, he's not a likable character at all. <laughs> but somehow, it's always kind of fun when he shows up. <laughs> yep, yep. You, you just love to hate this guy, you know? Right, right. So then there's the added stress of, well, they need this dynamite so they can open the hatch and maybe get everybody to safety, but it's not safe to carry it around, so they draw straws, who's going to carry it, who's going to take the risk of being blown up. And then on top of that, they get chased by the monster, and Locke, especially, is uh, about to get dragged down a hole, so they grab him, (coughs) and they're fighting for Locke's life. And they managed to drop a, drop a stick of dynamite down into the hole and save him. And then while that's going on, Russo kidnaps Claire's baby and goes to the others in the hopes that uh, they'll return her child that they stole 16 years earlier if she gives them this baby. <laughs> and so, I mean, on the one hand, you've kind of felt bad for Russo all this time, but you've kind of seen... I mean, she's kind of this crazy lady, but you feel bad for her, and you sort of see things from her point of view, and then that's cold for her to do that, to kidnap Hmm. an infant from its mother in the hopes of trading it for your own child. I mean, that's cold. So then Charlie and Saeed chase after Rousseau, and meanwhile Jack and the rest of the group get back to the hatch, and they're about to blow it up when all of a sudden... Hurley notices the numbers on the side of the hatch, and here they are again, those numbers that you're just wondering, what on earth is up with them? And you get this strange sense of foreboding as Hurley shouts, no, don't blow it up, no! And of course, then the hatch blows up. And finally, (laughs) out on the raft, the one note of hope and light Mm. in all this dark saga that you thought at least some of them made it off. And, <laughs> may- I mean, yes, their chances are slim, but at least uh, they've got a chance. They see a light off in the distance, and they managed to send up a flare. They had one flare in their gun, and so they send it up, and, and they managed to atta- attract the ship's attention. And they're all excited and hugging each other. Yay, we're rescued! <laughs> and then these people say, hand over the boy. And you just sit there in stunned disbelief and shock, and you just you can't believe what you just heard. Mm. And it ends up they take Walt by force Whoa. and then throw dynamite onto the boat, the raft, and make it explode. Mm-hmm. And that's how the season ends. Yep. <laughs> With no hope for anybody. And it's just, oh, man, what an absolutely crazy, crazy episode. I was dying after watching that. I had to find out what was going to happen next. And then it absolutely killed me that season two just <laughs> took so stinking long to actually say what happened next. <laughs> yep. 
<sighs> so yeah, anyway, it's a real slam bang ending. I know. For the first season, I, and I mean, you left you even left out some other th- really great things. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you can bring them up if you want. I uh, I I covered as much as I could, and I know yeah, I rambled yeah. on and on, but there's just so so much yep, in those yep. episodes. Yep. How's your one? My number one, Exodus Part Two. Very good. Yeah, there might be a moment or two that I'll mention in the uh, next episode. Top ten moments that uh, you didn't even bring up. So, yeah, that is the season finales are generally pretty strong. And uh, that was definitely the best season finale. Y'all. Well, I disagree. I think there's at least two better. But uh, that is that a good one, one. That one right there knocked out a bunch of moments for me. <laughs> right, right. Which is why it had to go on the episodes list. Gotcha. So that's your number one. Yeah. It was all downhill after season one. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> right, right. Yep. All right. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. So my number one, I I thought about picking, yeah, like a, a season finale. In the end, I wanted to put for my number one uh, a, quote, normal episode. And I really think this is my favorite. It is season one, episode 19, Deus Ex Machina. So this is the episode. Well, okay, let's let's get the side story out of the way. So the little, um, you know, secondary story is Sawyer's having headaches. Kate convinces <laughs> Jack to go, um, you know, find out what's wrong with him. <laughs> and you know, Jack says, wait, wait, why should I help this guy? I'm not going to get anything except a snappy one-liner and, if I'm lucky, a new nickname. (laughs) Uh, But she wants him to help him. Jack embarrasses Sawyer by asking him embarrassing medical questions, really personal questions. (laughs) When he already knows what the problem is. Right. But the problem is just he's farsighted. Yeah. Uh, Which, actually, if you remember a previous episode where Sawyer has the gun and he's going to shoot the marshal to put him out of his misery and he misses. Ah. Remember? And he's in the... Marshall's still in there. Oh. Yeah. It's because he's farsighted. Yeah, yeah. That's why I missed him, even though he was able to shoot the polar bear. Yeah. With that farsightedness. Huh. So, yeah. So, kind of an interesting little little tidbit. The, I uh, never made that connection. Yeah, the writers did. So, uh, yeah, Saeed um, melts together two pairs of glasses, and or, or the halves of two glasses, and, and makes some glasses for Sawyer. So, that's a, I mean, that's great kind of fun part yeah. just on the side. So, you've got the more lighthearted uh, side of Lost, which is always good to have. But then, uh, the main story, Locke and Boone are trying to open the hatch. And, uh, you know, they use the this trebuchet to try and open it. Nothing happens. They can't even crack the glass oh, in the little I window. This and Locke is angry. He doesn't understand. Why can't they get in? Um, he uh, loses feeling in his legs again. Mm-hmm. And then he has a vision of Boone, who's covered in blood, and it seems like he's kind of saying nonsense. He sees an airplane, and uh, Locke realizes, okay, this is telling me my next steps. We have to find that plane. And um, so uh, they are able to find it, and there's some weird... Uh, he gets Because he has lost feeling in his legs, he convinces Boone to go climb up a cliff to where this airplane is, and you know, there's they're finding some weird things. Um, they find these um, little statues that turn out to have drugs in them. Um, they find uh, there's some priests, uh, the corpses actually of, of priests yeah. on this plane. That's really odd. 
So Boone is up there in the plane. He's able to get the radio working and he contacts someone. You can't really tell what they're saying, but he's telling them, you know, we're the, we're the survivors of 815. And the plane starts rocking and locks yelling, Boone, come out, come out. And Boone's trying to be the hero, trying to make that radio call for everybody. And he stays in too long and the plane falls and um, it doesn't kill Boone right away, but Boone's really in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Locke has to pick him up and take him back to the caves. So while all this is going on, you're seeing the flashbacks. And the flashback is Locke um, back when uh, he was younger, worked in a superstore, and he's contacted by his mother. And through his mother, he finds out who his father is, who he never knew. And he tracks him, tracks down his father. And his father's this really great guy. And you know, his father wants to get to know him. And his father takes him hunting. And okay, that's where Locke learned how to hunt. And wow, this is this is really great that that he's connecting after all these years. Um, but there's it's sad because you know his father, his kidneys are failing. He's going to need a kidney. And Locke realizes, hey, I can give my dad a kidney. And so he volunteers to do that, goes into surgery, goes down. He wakes up and, you know, his father's taking his kidney. He wakes up and his father's gone. He's not there. And uh, that's a little odd. He didn't didn't say anything to Locke. He just left. Very odd after being so friendly and everything. Well, when he tries to go back to his father's house to get in, security won't let him in. He realizes that was I was just conned by my by my own father. All he wanted was my kidney. He didn't ask me for it. He never tried to contact me before. He's not interested in um, communicating with me or talking to me again. And just how betrayed yeah. Locke is at uh, this point, how angry he is. And we're rightfully angry with yeah. him. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, maybe the most emotional flashback of the show for Locke. Just uh, absolutely for Locke. hate Anthony Cooper. Right. And so back in back on the island, Locke, is, he, he's able to limp back, um, get back with Boone. Um, he puts Boone on, on his back and um, is able to carry him back. And then he runs off back to the hatch. And he's kneeling down. He's beating on the hatch. You know, I don't understand. Why? Why are you doing this to me? You know, he he thought there was something that he was supposed to do here on the island. He really believed he was supposed to get in the hatch. It just got Boone probably killed. Of course, next episode, Boone's going to die. Mm-hmm. And Locke is just, he feels betrayed again, just like he felt betrayed by his father, mm-hmm. betrayed by the island, and just completely emotionally shattered, beating on the hatch, and all of a sudden the light comes on on the hatch and just the hope that that brings to Locke is such an amazing moment and just the the emotions that you go through in this episode um, how you have the the sort of funny side story lighthearted the heavier kind of odd things going on with Locke and Boone and then the uh, um, kind of wrenching emotional flashback for Locke and then that ending where Boone has um, just broken his body trying to get up into this plane because he thinks it's important and and Locke getting out to the hatch and the light coming on and uh, 
bringing him hope. That's why it's my number one episode. Such an amazing hour of television. Yeah. Deus Ex Machina. That was a wow. good one. Wow. What what an episode. <sighs> Whew. Wow, this wow. is another long episode. But Very long, yeah. It's just been so, so fun. Yeah. Did you have any honorable mentions? I know you said you had like 11, right? Or 11, 12, 13. 13. 13. So what were your three that didn't make it? Uh, one was uh, The Long Con, which you mentioned. Yep. And then another was season two, episode six, where Shannon is shot. But then I realized, oh, yeah. well, yeah, that was about the best part. Is just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, not good, but like right, right, right. where it really messes with you. <laughs> and then season two, episode 14, uh, you're just unsure. One as, of them. Yeah, as whether or not Henry list. Gale is, is lying or not. Yeah, so. that was a really good one. Yep, for me, my two honorable mentions, greatest hits which was uh, Charlie remembering his five five great moments of his life, ah. writing them down. Yeah, really really great episode. And uh, Lockdown, which was on your list. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the lock flashbacks or flash sideways or whatever were always really good for me. I always really liked those. Um, and I'll just, uh, for the other ones we didn't mention that were on my short list from season one, The Moth, Outlaws, Homecoming, all good episodes, season two, everybody hates Hugo, the 23rd <laughs> Psalm, and from season three, the man from Tallahassee, season five, La Fleur, I really liked, and from season six, uh, The Candidate was another one that we didn't mention that I liked from that season. So yeah, so I ended up in my top 10 with one from season four and one from season five, and then two from each of the other seasons. So it was actually pretty spread out. That was pretty interesting. Whew. All right. Anything else that you wanted to say about this one? You know what? I had uh, something from every season as well, now that I look at it. Nice. I had four from season one. Mm-hmm. Two from season two. One from three, from four. Actually, now that I look at it, I didn't have any from season five. Okay. But I did have yeah. two from season six. Which was kind of surprising since that was my least favorite season. Right, right. Cool. Very good. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for sticking around to listen to all this if you're still listening. We would love to hear what your favorite episodes from Lost are. You can contact us by emailing us at tto at cozer.us or you can go to our website tto.cozer.us. And if you add a slash 36, you'll go directly to the show notes for this episode. Tune in next time to hear our top 10 moments from Lost. Mm. Until next next yeah, time. Wrapping up, wrapping up Lost Month. Until next time, I'm Melissa Kozer. I'm Brian Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. Brian, what was the worst episode you watched? Ooh, good question. And I, I know I thought about this. Oh, there can't let's be see. any doubt. Let me in, see. I wrote this down. Yeah, tell me what yours is. Doubt. Tell me what yours is. Why I find mine real quick. Absolute worst episode, season three, episode nine, 
where Jack gets his tattoo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, a runners-up for that one is season three, episode six, where Kate and Sawyer make out in the cage, <laughs> even though they know they're on television. Even yeah. though they know they're being videoed. What on earth, people? What were you thinking? Yeah. Uh, it's such a cringe-worthy scene. But season episode nine, especially Jack getting his tattoo, the whole the whole episode is so cringeworthy. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. The that uh tattoo one would probably have to be mine as well. And of course, like we mentioned in the previous episodes, the clip shows. I mean there were let me count real quick. Thirteen clip shows. Ah, oh, that's throughout awful. the show. Yeah. Thirteen. Which is really crazy. Where it's just nothing but recap. Right. I guess, oh man, I don't know who those were for. I guess Bad idea. they wanted something on that week for people to watch, but wow. Yeah. 